Hi, I'm Jake Cornell. I'm a comedian in New York City, and for the past 10 years, I've been living and breathing the restaurant industry. This is a show where I'll be talking to comedians, actors, bartenders, chefs, and restaurant owners about all things going out. We'll talk about restaurants, bars, staying in, drinking, not drinking, and whatever else we want. This is Going Out with Jake Cornell. So what have you been up? What like what have you been up to? I feel like I've been, it, it's been almost a week since I've seen you. Have you been going out? What's going on? Um, since you last saw me, what have I done? God, I'm like, am I boring? Wait, what, what did you do last weekend? Oh, so my whole family was in town. Wait, my stop! Grandmother- Look, my mom is truly right there. Hi, <laughs> we're going to JFK like from this. Like, I'm going to JFK right after this because we're going to England. Oh my god, right. I forgot you were going to England like with your family. Yeah, I'm taking my mom for her birthday. It, is Nate coming? No, because he's working on the movie. He like can't get time off from the movie. Okay. It's exciting for him though. No, it's cool. I had like my whole family in town, but it was like it was supposed to be like girls trip vibes. So it was like my grandma, my mom, my aunt, and then my sister in law, and then my brother came anyway. <laughs> I get that. Uh, yeah, and my grandma, my grandma, it was all for my grandma's birthday. She was turning 80. Oh, bless. So we we ate pretty well, but the main thing that happened was that she, for like years, has been wanting to get a tattoo. Um, Stop. She grew up in this like very orthodox Jewish household and like, you know, tattoos are total no-go. But now she's like this really like <laughs> anything but conventional person. I'm obsessed. And, yeah, so she was like, Katie, like, I want to get a tattoo. Will you get one with me? This is so your 80-year-old grandmother? Yeah. Stop. So we got Mac on St. Mark's. On St. <laughs> Mark's? Oh, my God. Wait, that That's is like... doing it. Like... <laughs> what is your grandma's name? Um, Carol. Oh, Grandma Carol. <laughs> icon. Absolute icon. Wait. Did I call her Goggy? Goggy? That's Wait. her grandma name. That's so cute. Was, your, was this your first tattoo? No, I have another tattoo. I, I, so I got... I had one that I got in college. And then, like a while, like a couple months ago, I got one like on the bottom of my toes. You know how like it was what? like a trend. People were. <laughs> no, I don't know this trend. What the fuck are you talking about? You know how like some people got like the little like toe tattoos. No, <laughs> Katie, what is this on the bottom okay, of your? I... T- the idea of getting a tattoo on the bottom of my toes makes me feel like makes my skin crawl. Because you're ticklish. Uh, yeah, your the bottom of your feet are just like a sensitive place. Yeah, um, I got like. On one of my pinky toes, a smile, and on one, the other pinky toe, I got a frown. Is this like the inside of your lip thing, where the idea is that it like fades away? It already is gone. Oh wow! My friend got one of those tattoos like on the inside of her lip because it was supposed to like they're like not permanent because like that apparently that that skin turns over so quickly. And but hers is definitely permanent and has lasted like ten years. And she's like, Fuck. I actually I've heard this from other people. Like I feel like it was a thing where it was like a myth. Like people were like, Yeah, I'm gonna get a lip tattoo. It'll be gone in a few weeks. And like every single person I know that did that still has their lip tattoo. Yeah. And it's also just like, I don't know, there's something so visually violent about someone like turning their lip up at you, like down at you to be like, look what is like scribed on the inside of my fucking mouth. I'm like, <laughs> this is like I don't know that this is like how we needed to do this. Like it, it's really strange to me. <laughs> no, I, I completely agree with that. Um 
but yes, my, my, <laughs> my grandmother was like, you know, she, she was hilarious. She was like, now no one can say, I'm not going to like this when I'm older. Cause I'm already <laughs> <laughs> That's iconic. Wait. So did, and she was happy with the, ta- the tattoo, like the process went well. Yeah. She was like, it didn't even hurt. Like she was super happy. Okay. Um, my mom was of course like rolling her eyes at us. Like you girls are both like, I just don't approve, but <laughs> I'm obsessed. Maybe I'll convince my mom to get a matching tattoo in England. She's, she's laughing. She's not going to do that. Heard that. She was like, no, <laughs> Yeah, the dead, the silence, absolute response to that. Yeah. <laughs> I bet we could convince her if me, cause my sister's coming too. I bet if the two of us really pushed, I bet we could get it, make it happen. What's her body language when she, when you just said that? Ignoring me, full ignore, hard ignore. <laughs> Um, have you gone out recently Nate and I went to Bernie's last night um because I'm he's because I'm we had like a big date night because obviously I'm gonna be gone for a week so we're like let's Mm -hmm. go out Bernie's is the fucking best they're so nice like the people it's just like I just really like the vibe like we walked up and it was like oh yeah hey like yeah come back in an hour like they don't even take like your number or anything it's not like super like rigid like which normally kind of stresses me out like I like to know like a really clear system of like okay I'm gonna give you my phone number you're gonna text me and then we'll come back in 30 minutes and get the day or like whatever but like there it's just I don't know it felt very they just have like a very casual chill vibe like they're not stressed like sure there's like a ton of people waiting but it's like they're not stressed you're not stressed the key with restaurants like that and like we this is what we did is like you just have to go an hour before you're hungry like you know what I mean it's like we were not hungry but we went because we knew by the time we got seated we would be hungry and that's exactly what happened by the time we got sat we were starving um, but we weren't, and they added an eggplant parm to the menu, which we got. And I would say it's one of the best eggplant parms I've had in a restaurant. Really? Okay, yeah. I'm gonna have to try it very that. impressively, specifically what was impressive to me was that the layers very clearly had texture and it wasn't cause like eggplant parm really lends itself to being a mush. Like it's a mush, you know, but this was not, this had like distinct delicious layers. It was very good. Okay. You're painting a beautiful picture. Now I need to have eggplant parm for lunch. Have you not had lunch yet? Oh, I guess it's 1 p.m. It's 1 p.m. I had like, I I kind of was like, I've been snacking a lot, but I haven't like actually eaten anything because working from home, that's just like the vibe. I feel like I'm just like constantly like eating like a few chips here and there. Okay, wait, I fetishize, okay, because like you're, but you're normally in the opposite vine pair and I sort of like fetishize like, maybe fetishize is too aggressive a word, but I'm like (laughs) obsessed. I'm just, like, obsessed with, like, when Nate worked at an office, like, he would just text me every day being, like, going to Cava, going to Ann Pizza, like, going to all different places. And I just have never had, like, the fast, casual New York options be, like, a regular five days of my week lunch option. And it's, like, that is really always something I've kind of envied and been excited about is the idea of, like, what are your, like, I feel like every time I come into Vine Bear, you are eating Bondi, is it Bondi Sushi? I feel like you're always eating that sushi. So the thing that you should know about me when it comes to lunch is that I'm never hungry during lunchtime. Like I'm somebody that like, I don't know what it is, but like I, I like my breakfast and then I like dinner and then like I know I need to eat during lunch or else I'm going to like be like my brain is just not going to work during work. Wow. But I go through these phases where I will just like order the same thing every day for like a month straight. So I, you, you are referring to my Bondi phase when I did eat <laughs> the, 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 um, avocado truffle roll and the spicy um, salmon roll like every day truffle and sushi is really not something that speaks to me those feel incongruous to me i'm not trying to be a bitch but like i do just that the... i hear you okay 100 percent. and for me i think 
what <laughs> what I disagree with on this is like they're not like shaving like a beautiful white truffle on. No, it's the oil. Truffle, truffle oil, which just like has nothing to do with an actual truffle, and it just kind of tastes like earthy and good. Yeah, no, I guess I'm like not actually anti it. I'm just sort of like, did is this like not? I it's just it's it's there's a strangeness to it me that I there's an aversion that I have that, but I would try it. It's good. It's good, but I now I can't eat it anymore because like I literally ate it every day for a month. Yeah, I can't. I think maybe that's also I have like truffle trauma because the fir- <laughs> the first the first restaurant I worked at in New York, the one that I the the one that must not be named, like it like I remember like I because like I also don't I don't come from like a fancy bougie background, so like I moved to New York and like all and then it was everyone was freaking out because they were like, oh, it's truffle season. And I was like, I don't know. Like, to me, truffles was like lint chocolate truffles. Like, that's what I thought a truffle was. So I was like, what are you guys talking about? And then like, they're like, it's these mushrooms. And I was like, okay. And then they were like, so basically we're going to announce that we have truffles and then a bunch of rich people are going to kick the door down and attack us like hungry zombies for them. Like, it was actually <laughs> so psychotic. And also it was like, like the truffle pasta on the me- on the menu when I- where I worked was ninety five dollars like for a pasta, and I was like, and it's well, always like noodles with just like that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. And I was like, there's no. I remember them telling us this at lineup, and I was like, there's no way in fucking hell that anyone is buying that we sold out the first day. I was like, what are you talking about for <laughs> mushrooms? And it, the thing is, is like I'm like this tastes good. Like I'm not saying that like some people don't like truffles, and I get that, but like I'm not saying that mu- truffles don't taste good i'm saying they don't taste like a hundred dollars do you know what i mean like there's a lot of things i would eat at a restaurant that are not that that are cheaper do you know what i mean it's just like i don't really fully get it and also truffles are so stinky and like it's a good smell but when you're working in a restaurant during truffle season and every day they're shaving truffles in the restaurant the entire restaurant just aired by the i was like i can't do this anymore so i do think i have like when i see someone being like oh it's truffles i'm like get fucked is like my first response and then i have to be like okay you don't work for that restaurant anymore you don't have to shave the truffles you don't have to smell them all day like it's okay i feel that way about a lot of foods that people pay a lot of money for like um caviar i just don't understand it like there's nothing that looks appealing about them to me totally and it's literally just like a salty egg see with caviar i feel like i've only ever had like the cheapest version of caviar where you're like when it's like uh, there's like three pieces of it like three little eggs on top of something at like a wedding at like a past app or like in a tasting menu there's like a little bit of caviar on something i've never like properly had like a spoonful of like a really nice caviar and i I'm curious just to be like, is this worth it? Like, wait, did you watch, um, did you watch Cooking with Paris on Netflix? No, but should I? Oh my God. Well, first off, yeah. Like take a gummy and just throw that shit on. It's literally unbelievable. Okay. I mean, it's like, I love Paris Hilton. I think she's like, and it, it really like highlights that she like knows her character. Like she's playing the character of Paris and like on, on Cooking with Paris, it's like fascinating because you'll see her like, drop in and out of the character like something will go wrong and she'll be like where's this and then someone will be like what and she's like ah like she'll just like change into the Paris voice it's really funny it's just really good but there's an episode with her mom Kathy where apparently Kathy's like obsessed with caviar and they're like trying to tape the dinner and Kathy is just like shoveling caviar in her mouth like from the tin with a spoon and Nikki and Paris are just like dying laughing at her and I was like damn like I'm I'm this like fancy caviar must be good because this doesn't seem like she's performing like, ooh, I'm eating caviar, which like I think a lot of, you know what I mean? Like bougie food can be that performative thing. I was like, no, this woman is like housing this shit. Like she can't stop eating it. So I'm curious 
Okay, so maybe I can't knock it until I like really give it a chance. Yeah, but then it's it's similarly, I'm like, but based on my experiences with it, I don't know that I need to spend like $200 to try it and be like, that was salty. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? It's like, I need to end up in a situation where I get to try a bunch of really nice caviar for free. If you are listening to this and you have the ability to set that up for Katie and I, we will do it and we will talk about it in an intro. We volunteer. Yeah, Um, I volunteer. Through that. For you listeners. <laughs> yeah, that would be really good for me. What's the wait, here's the wait, I've I wanna know this. What's like the fanciest thing you've been able to try through Vine? Like from like working in food media? It's probably a dream, huh. I'm assuming. Yeah, definitely like fancy champagnes I've gotten. I mean, we've done like entire champagne tastings where like all the big champagne houses That's are my sending. Happen. I yeah, and we're just like popping open the bottles and tasting like every single. Wait, next time that Vine Pair schedules have, is doing a a champagne write up, I will clear my. I'll hold my week that week so I can come in and be a part of it, please. <laughs> I'll make sure you're included on that calendar. Champagne is one. Okay, wait, that's one though. Like, if we're talking about like things that are expensive, but that like I think the expensive ones you really can like tell. The like fancy champagnes when you taste them, you're like, okay, like this is yeah. real fucking this is good. Different. This is different than like cava. Yeah. A hundred percent. There's like the bubble's different. The taste is different. I'm trying to think what else. Oh, I got invited to a very fancy wine dinner at Per Se. La-di-da. Yeah. Yeah. And that was like one of the fanciest things I've done through work just because I literally got to like sit there while somebody, speaking of truffles, shaved an entire truffle onto like risotto for me. And I was just like. Damn. Truffles at Per Se. That's like a five figure meal. That's intense. Yeah, I was like, wow, I'm really, really glad that I'm not um, <laughs> in charge of the bill for this meal. Yeah, that's that does sound nice, though. Yeah. Absolutely. it was. So there's definitely perks. There's definitely perks. But my normal, like, day-to-day food cravings are, like, not fancy at all. Um, despite my, you know, truffle, truffle sushi that I was going for before. Wait, so what's the current my- obsession? My current obsession is a, um, if you order on the app for Chipotle. It's I saw this. I saw this and I was like, Katie, what the fuck is that? <laughs> you can get a quesadilla with three sides and it comes with a free guac. It I looks, think. it comes in a container that looks like a school hot lunch tray. Like I haven't seen those in like so long. And I saw the Chipotle branding and I was like, Katie, what are you eating? Yeah, it's definitely a weird choice. Um, I I probably had a quesadilla every single day this week. Okay, I um, had a case. I had a traumatic thing happen with a quesadilla this week because I live on the same block as a Taco Bell. That is part of my journey. And oh my did you know that about me? I live on the same block as a Taco Bell. It's a really big part. No, of my but life. I now live on the same block as a Taco Bell. One just opened up on my block. Wait, I'm scared for my well being. Yeah, you really have to. It's an exercise in self control, for sure. But something really devastating to me happened, which is I went to Taco Bell like two days ago for lunch. Um, Mexican pizza is back. I hadn't had a Mexican pizza in a long time. This is That's not the devastating part. I got the veggie one because I don't really do the beef at Taco Bell because I don't um, want to. And <laughs> I got the veggie Mexican pizza. Very good. That was fine. I got a chicken okay. quesadilla, which is my classic Taco Bell order. I get home. Okay. Mercury's in retrograde, they forgot the sauce. So there was no creamy jalapeno sauce. So it was just cheese and chicken. And I was like, this is devastating to me. I'm really, really sorry that happened. No, to you. thank you. I'm like gonna get over it, but it was tough. 
Yeah, no, that is hard. Um, yeah, I, I feel like when they when they forget the sauce at um, at a place where the sauce is like the main thing that you're going See, and that's the thing is it's like I can go to my fridge and get a hot sauce, but it's like you can't get the creamy jalapeno sauce from Taco Bell from anywhere other than ordering the quesadilla. Like it's sort of like this golden experience that can only be achieved through this one specific thing. So when you're denied that, you're sort of fucked. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I the only reason why I ever get a salad from Sweet Green for lunch is because I'm addicted to one of their salad dressings. Wait, spicy cashew or the miso mayo? Spicy cashew. Spicy cashew. It's not. It's miso maple, not miso mayo. The spicy cashew. The spicy cashew is unbelievable. Unbelievable. So I used to get the spicy sabzi, which was like this the original salad that the the spicy cashew was on. I used to get that salad so much that when they took it off the menu, I got an email from Squeak Green alerting me that I they were removing my favorite salad because I used to order through the app. <laughs> they were like, hey, it was like this like apologetic email from Squeak Green. It was like, hey, um, it's Sweet Green. We're just like reaching out because we're like really sorry to let you know. Um, we know you love the spicy sabzi, but it's going away and it's going to be okay. Things change, but we just wanted to let you know so you had time to process that in a week it will be taken off the menu. It was like actually really devastating for me. It was like a eulogy to the salad. Truly. I had, because I when I worked at Rosemary's, it was down the street from a Sweet Green, so I would get Sweet Green all the time. And it was... I was like close with my sweet green people. The Bleecker Street Sweet Green in the West Village, we really that we had a good run and then the pandemic really ended it. But I really I was there. I was in that sweet green. I really feel you because when I get a salad from Sweet Green with the spicy cashew dressing on it, I basically what I order is more like a soup of sorts. Ew. Like the- <laughs> <laughs> I was like wilting in it. They're like light, medium and or heavy and you're like bottle. I would like the whole bottle. <laughs> yeah. Taking it to an 11. Oh, <laughs> okay. Enough about salads, though, because we do have to introduce the guests because it's very exciting. This was a very exciting one. Um, this person is iconic, so kind, like so nice and so fun. Um, our first guest that we were recorded with in the studio once we got the new Vine Pair podcast studio opened, she was the first guest on any podcast to be in the Vine Pair studio, right? Absolutely. So we are so honored. She was so fun. You can catch, you know her from Real Housewives of New York City, and you can catch her on Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip at the new season that is at her beautiful Bluestone Manor, which is also the name of her new bourbon, which we got to try and honestly was delicious. I'm looking at, there's a bottle of it in my home now that I'm looking at on my home bar. It's stunning. It's a gorgeous bottle. She talks, and she gets into it here, but like I do think overall the design of the bottle is very impressive. Um, and what's inside of it is good too. So, Please enjoy me going out with Dorinda Bedley. <laughs> well, just thank you so much for doing the show. Absolutely. I was very excited. Yeah. yeah, this is so fun. So obviously this is a show about going out. You are a former housewife of New York, or you're, you're a housewife. You're you live former in- housewife. I'm on pause. You're on pause. You can say it. It's okay. not a bad word. I'm on pause. Say it. Get comfortable with it. I love that you're proud of it. Okay, former housewife on pause, but New York City, one of the greatest places to go out in the world. So, 
And we obviously also are here to talk about Bluestone Manor, your new bourbon that yes, is out. Yes, Bluestone Manor bourbon. It's delicious. I can't wait to try it. We're going to do that I think shortly. it's very apropos to what's going on with the New York we just re-entered. Because I think that New York that we're all entering in now has got a very speakeasy feeling. Yes. A very sort of harking back to what was, you know, speakeasies. You tell me your secrets, I'll tell you yours. <laughs> Late night little drinks, hiding places, getting dressed up. I mean, look at the Met. They just did the Gilded Age. I mean, Bluestone yeah. Manor bourbon should have been there. <laughs> it really should have. If I'd been invited, I would have come dressed as the bottle. Yeah, ex- there you go. <laughs> um, well, should we try it to start off? Let's try it. Absolutely. I want to. I want to see what you taste. Now, I can't try too much because I, I have a full day. So do I. But and I, I'm I've happy made to try the mistake it. of tasting bourbons and not being able to get home at night over the Hudson Bridge. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, better to stay on the side of the bridge you started drinking on once you yes. start. Yes. Okay. Well, cheers. Cheers. And I want you to smell it first. Mm. Mm. What do you smell? Well, it has that classic kind of like, like very subtle, like caramely thing that can there happen with you bourbon. Go. Vanilla. Yeah, for sure. Dried fruit. Yeah, I get that. Butterscotchy. Yeah, that like caramel butterscotchy. There is like a dried fruit to it. It's not sweet smelling at all, but no. it has all those kind of like nice. But a dark... little caramel. But does this make me? Does this smell make you want to tell me your secrets? <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Oh, it's lovely. Yeah, it's good, right? It's really um, smooth. It's very smooth for sure, but it's also um, for how like aromatic it is, it's really light. Like it doesn't very light. It's really well, light. we talked about that because I don't know if you um, <clears throat> I don't know if I've been talking, you know, t- telling about the bourbon and the, one of the reasons why I decided, you know, obviously the obvious thing would have been the dirty martini, right? Yeah. And or what, you know, a lot of the housewives, when you go on the housewives and you're doing stuff, you know, everybody gets offered to do a wine or a Prosecco or this. And, you know, it's so funny. I went to a, a party um, at Jay-Z's club. 4040. Yeah. Year when it first opened, I got invited to the, you know, the opening party. And I remember they took me downstairs and there was this huge table of beautiful women <laughs> drinking dark liquor. Okay. And I thought to myself, that's fucking powerful. Yeah. There was just something about it that I was like, wait a second, because we just don't, we usually think of, you know, dark liquors as something for men, yeah. for private men's clubs, you know, for to, to have the ladies in the other rooms Absolutely. doing their dishes <laughs> while they sit and tell secrets about their mistresses. No, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So now all of a sudden these women are sitting there and they're badasses. And, I'm, and then I started thinking about Bluestone Manor and how, you know, I love, Bluestone Manor. Yeah. It lives and breathes for me. I've had so many wonderful nights there, so many wonderful parties and filming. And it really is a place, when you enter Bluestone Manor, you enter a world. Yeah. And I wanted something that wasn't just a housewife thing. Yeah. That was sort of a Bluestone Manor thing, something that would, you know, carries itself beyond. Yeah. A, you know, a housewife and something that you could see sitting in your bar proudly. So it was very important, the taste. So that's what, so I really thought that is what I need to do. Something that's going to have longevity, a little Downton Abbey, a little speakeasy. And, you know, I don't know if you know this, but uh, Bluestone Manor was built in 1902. Okay. Um, it, you know, was really part of the whole prohibition up and down the Hudson. Yeah. All of the Berkshires were. They ran a lot of liquor through Hudson and throughout the Berkshires because the, the Berkshires in the early 20th century, as is now, has always been been filled with a lot of artists and writers and poets and uh, theater people and music people. So 
there, you know, there it's it's storied that like my house was a speakeasy in the basement. Oh no way! Yeah, and have you found any like evidence of that? We did when we had the flood, and that they used to have little like um, you know, it was part of the prohibition. They would have liquor there and have yeah. parties, yeah. which makes sense, absolutely, because it was. And one it of, feels like you're carrying that tradition on in a way. Well, it was one of the grand houses. You know, the guy that started GE built my house. Oh no way! And it was really sort of considered. It was only open a month a year, believe it or not. It was considered one of the grand summer cottages. Okay. And they used to come up and just have fun for one month. And my house was sort of a big party house, which is very apropos for me. That's so special. Wait, I have a couple questions now. Firstly, Go so ahead. before that moment of at the 4040 Club, seeing those women drinking that, those dark liquors, was bourbon already something that you were enjoying or was it something you kind of came to after that? Listen, it was bourbon something I've always had. I love a beautiful bar. Yeah, and same, I, same. I just I love like I love a beautiful I love to decanter stuff. I think you can see that in the bottle. It, it is always like has truly like a decanter stunning. feeling. Um, I love the fact that I love to have you know a night that kind of continues on to the drawing room or the living room where people then you pour that beautiful dark liquor. We've always done that because no one wants to really start with the dark liquor, but at night you're like. Now I'm ready. Yeah. Now I'm ready to get a little down here. I don't know if I'm going to tell you my secrets. Yeah. I'm going to take off my clothes, but something's <laughs> going to happen with this dark liquor right now. It is like, it does have that. It's sexy. It's sexy. It has that energy, exactly what you're talking about, of like at the party when like the people who aren't really going to be down to hang, like go to bed. Go to bed now. And now there's because the new now room. This is the new, this is, these These are the real people. Yes, the Anybody pros. that's faint of heart, please leave now. Absolutely. That's the blue. So, and, and like. <laughs> and the, make sure you sign a DNA if you enter. <laughs> It has that energy though of like that dec that sexy decanter that you they pull it out and you're like uh oh. And I love the bottle too. If you look at the bottle, it's really almost like a beautiful. So the, one of the things I love at the Berkshires is I was very very focused on doing the kind of original the original type curtains. So I did a lot of damask, a lot of things that you know you would see in the early 20th century. The heavy mm -hmm. double folded curtains that are too too long for the room. Yes. I love an overly dragging curtain, and I think the bottle almost looks like a ball gown or like a, a, a curtain. It's very, oh, I see that. Right? Yeah, I see that. Wait, and you mentioned, so you were mentioning before we started recording something about the stopper, that you were like, this was a... The stopper was an ongoing thing. The stopper held us, as Lynn will say, in Phoenix. <laughs> By the way, everyone, it's a woman's own company, which yeah, I'm yeah. very proud of. Because as you should I be. don't know if anyone wants to hear this, but it's the age of the woman. Yes, yes. And the universe is a woman. I knew it all along, but now <laughs> I, I said to Hannah the other day, you are so lucky to be part of the world as a young adult woman Absolute. with access and power and a voice yes. that matters. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, the stopper was something because originally they had a cork stopper. Okay. And I just, I couldn't get my head around it. Then they had sort of a marbleized stopper. Then we had a supply, obviously, during COVID. We Nightmare. had where it was a supply issue. And then we didn't want anything that was going to take the price too high. Yeah. You know, because the mini, the, the stopper was a really a hard thing to source. And we finally found a company that did it. We we went really deep into buying a ton of glass, a ton of stoppers, because we were so worried about yeah. the supply issue thing. So we got that covered. And I just think it looks beautiful, the stopper. I mean, well, it, looks, it harks back to Baccarat, yeah, which I is mean, one of my favorite brands I mean, ever. I mean this without, I'm, I'm not like blowing smoke. Like, 
I would keep this bottle after I finished it. Well, and also too, it doesn't. Yours doesn't have it right now, but oh, it does. It has. It has a different key. It comes with a different key, so you can collect the keys. Oh no way! So this is a key. Now you have a key to my heart That's and a key so to my house. What an honor! <laughs> I am a marketing genius. You genius. really are. You really are. It's like top to bottom. And so when you were saying, and about, of course the peacock, we have to take note of the lady peacock. She runs. The you know, house. I didn't even notice her, and now it's like she's so subtle. But she's, she's our mascot oh, at she's the house. Gorgeous. You know the peacock. You've seen. I've seen the peacock. House. I just didn't see it on the um the label yet but it's beautiful so my i have a question so blue by the way i see that peacock label and i see the wallpaper i see a home line i see stationary glasses sweatshirts that baby right there she is gonna work hard for me in the next couple <laughs> decades i will that buy that bitch is gonna work hard for me i'm dorinda if you buy i'm not joking if you make this a wallpaper i'll buy it i think it would be a really stunning wallpaper right yeah no absolutely um you mentioned like with bluestone manor it being a world when you enter it. Yes. How much of that, obviously there's like an enormous amount of history to the house. Correct. And um, it's obviously, it's like a beautiful estate. How much of that is also something that you are intentionally creating as the host, as the owner? Like Always. Always. You know, it's it doesn't, you know, I think that, that I've always been, you know, my backstory is, uh, if you read the, in my book, Make It Nice, is I lived in, in abroad for almost 10 years. Mm-hmm. Started off in Hong Kong and ended up in England and London and in all, all these places in between. And my longest stay actually was in London. And I just was very young when I moved to London. My husband was working 15 hours a day in investment banking. And I really, and I was married to a British man. So it wasn't like I was going there as an expat and then yeah. go back. I was there. Yeah, you were like putting roots down. So I literally was like, you know, I'm, I'm very good like I'm, I would be great in any sort of situation because I'm able to adapt. Like yeah. I figure out my environment. I'm like, okay, now I got to be that person. So I was an investment banker's wife, married to a British guy that was going to live in London and raise her children. That Damn. was so. I literally took courses at the least school, took etiquette courses, learned how to set a table properly, studied every time I would go anywhere, Venice, anywhere in Paris, London, everywhere, every country house I went to in London or outside of London, I would think, why, well, wait a second, why are the curtains so long? That's kind of cool. Yeah. Like, oh my God, they're mixing colors. Like, they're layering colors and it's okay. Like, I became very aware of how people entertained, lived in their homes. And what I love and I learned about living abroad is, People, and, and this is what Bluestone Manor has, and not everybody wants to live like this. I get it. Some people would hate it. It's very mm-hmm. layered. Yeah. It's very colorful. It's very, you either love it or hate it, which I love. I want you to love or hate my house. <laughs> is um, I can't imagine anyone hating it. It's so stunning. Well, you know, when you go to a country house in, in, in England, you know, it's cozy. Yeah. It's all about the food. And, you know, it is nothing to see the hostess in the kitchen cooking. Yeah. You know, and making, you know, the food and being incorporating everybody in the house and always the fabrics, the colors, the smells, the senses. And I love that. I mean, I I always have a set dinner table. Beautiful. And I change it every weekend that I go up. So I'll say to Len, let's take out. And I'm a, I'm a China fanatic. So oh, I have really? like, I have like 20 sets of China. Len, Len can attest to this. My China cabinets are just... That sounds incredible. I it just sounds like I love the the notion that you were really like a student of hosting, like well, as when you because were because I think you know I have a thing at Bluestone Manor. You come on a Friday, you can do whatever you want. I don't care if you stay, come, go, sleep all day, but it's Saturday at six. You must be in the blue room, dressed for cocktails. Everybody Ugh. has to have a proper dinner with me on Saturday nights. I love and that. And people look forward to it now. What they kind of made fun of in the beginning, now people kind of like, what's the theme of the dinner? And I try to do small oh. themes, you know what I yes. mean? Yes. Uh, but you'd be surprised. People come all the way up to the Berkshires and they dress. 
Yeah. Like someone recently came, I was like, the, the theme is going to be sort of like, you know, old world, you know, lounging around old world. And she came up with a black velvet cape. I'm like, okay, girl. I like that. Uh, yeah. I like where you're going here. <laughs> she thought that through material, through style. And it fits. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, amazing. So move, like, it's obviously like when you're up, when you're up in the Berkshires, when you're at Bluestone, you have your, this incredible host. You're very focused. Like you said, it's cozy. So when you're in New York, and it's time to go out for a night totally on the Totally different life. Totally. And you view them as like two separate lives. Two fully different lives. Uh, the Berkshires are where I sort of live and cook and uh, create and find peace mm-hmm. and get good with one with nature and really do a lot of the things that I was raised the kind of sentiment. I love home. Yeah. And I love entertaining and I love feeding people. And I just love that whole You're thing. You're a true host. But when I'm in New York, I'm none of that. Yeah. I do not cook in my kitchen. I do not shop. You know, it's very minimal. I think New York is about getting yourself out there, seeing people, you know. It's just much more of a get up and go, hang your hat. Yeah. And just really, you know, have fun. It's my playground. Do you even feel like your place here is like a home or is it kind of just like where I'm crashing? It is a home. It's just a different way of living. Yeah. You know, New York is just my fast-paced, working girl. Yeah. You know, I think I get restored up in the Berkshires. Totally. And then I come back to New York and I hit it hard. Yeah. So how do you, when when you're hitting it hard, how do you like to have like a night? out like what does that look like for you well a night out for me is usually you know i love to have i love to go to dinner parties i think there's nothing better than a great dinner party to meet new people and kind of get to know people and i love to go you know i kind of stick to my same restaurants yeah there's nothing there's nothing i would say i respect it though if you know what they are at this point as i say to someone i said it before they were horrified i said Above Berg- Bergdorf, I'll meet you. Below Bergdorf, I'm not going to meet you past 6 o'clock. <laughs> 12 o'clock, yes, I'll go downtown. But at 6 o'clock, above Bergdorf, fantastic. <laughs> Below Bergdorf, nope. It's not no happening. Kid, no, maybe a couple blocks, four or five, but not that much. Oh, look, I respect a boundary being set, and I think that's really healthy. I'm not saying everyone, like, they, I went down to Cassie Cipriani the other night. I, you know, it was great. I'll venture down. I'll take yeah. you know, I'll take the wings out and fly down the, uh, the FDR every once in a while but you know but my go to and yeah. also too for me New York is familiar I'm really a neighborhood pr- so I like like last night I went to Bar Italia and you know I know everybody there I know yep. the host I've known him 20 years I like I like to be meet and greeted I'm not a great one for walking into the rando restaurant absolutely you know and that's not even about being a housewife I've always been like that I like familiarity well it's like it makes sense if you are such a fantastic host it would make sense that when you go out you would want that same experience back like you would want them to know who you are you'd yeah. want them it makes total and I don't sense. Mean to give me special service, I just like the coziness of it. The familiarity. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Lagaloo. I mean, if you, if you're ever in doubt, you can probably find me at Lagaloo. I mean, I just even like last night at seven o'clock, I'm like, I'm just gonna walk to Bar Italia and grab something to eat. So for me, it's very uh, casual. It's very New York because I think of yeah. New York as a very pedestrian, interactive, fun city. It you is know? absolutely. Um, and then of course, you know, don't worry. There's there's nights where you could spot me at the blonde. <laughs> You can have a fun night if you want. Yes, Absolutely. I do it. Yeah. When you, um, how did your did your relationship to going out at all and sort of that the life of you know having your familiar restaurants and all that when you became a housewife did you feel like that shifted in any way? Well, not so much with the restaurants that I kind of go to Fleming's, La Glue, Bar Italia, you know, um, Bergdorf's, all that. I've been going there for. Yeah, thirty years. You know, I was going there before I moved even to London, so it's my. It's it's like these are the people in my neighborhood. Yeah, and you know they don't, they know me pre. So 
I'll tell you one thing that was a big shift for me is after I was on TV, like you do realize that you have to be aware. Yeah. That's the difference. Yeah. You know, so you can't be like, you know, you just have to be a little bit more aware. Yeah. <laughs> and also, too, you know, you, you can't go out when you're, and listen, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not some big, huge, famous person, but, you know, if you are out, you have to be aware that people are going to come up to you, and you have to be prepared for that, because yeah. if you're in that world, and then people have enough courage to come up to you, and, you know, you can see them coming, you have to be kind and nice and receptive, and if you're not in that mood, it's then hard. you probably shouldn't go out. Yeah. That's fair. So I don't really go out unless, you know, I'm going out with friends or I'm doing appearances or stuff. I'm just not sort of a random goer-outer. Yeah, you're not just, like, jumping out for a big night out. No. I respect that. That makes sense. And, and I, I'm 58, too, so, I mean, <laughs> let's put it in perspective. I'm tired. In this city, I feel like anyone at any age can do anything they want, though. Well, you know what I mean? Well, look at Ramona. <laughs> <laughs> um, what did you, did you love London? Loved it. I consider it really my first really, you got to remember I moved there as a young, young girl, 24, and I got married there. How I, long were you there? 25, I think I moved there actually 25, 20, 25, 26, to almost 10 years. Wow. But formative years, because remember I, I mean, got hugely. married, you know, I, I had my daughter there, you know, it, it was sort of like, it's where I met, I mean, my friends from London, who I just also saw in the Bahamas the other day, are still my friends because we kind of grew up together. Yeah. You know, and we all were at that point where London wasn't really, um, you know, it, now it's filled with a ton of expats. Back then, it was still very London. It was still very yes. British. Yes. Was pro, you know, it was post-Thatcher, pre-Major, and John Major. And it just, um, you know, you had, it took, you had to peel the onion a bit. Yeah, it's it's a different, I lived in Brighton for a year, just an hour oh, south. Oh, so you know. Yeah, and I'm actually going back in like two weeks to go visit and taking my mom, um, which I'm so, so excited. But there is that. I haven't heard anyone describe it that way, but peeling the onion of like, at first I, with some of my friends, I was like, I don't think they like me. And someone well, was like, that's right. I remember I said that about one friend in particular, I was out, I was, I bartended there at a pub and I was like saying, I was like, I don't think she likes me very much. And someone said, oh no, she's just very English. Yes. And I was like, oh. Yeah, that's the thing because it's the opposite in America. People like you quickly, but it's, 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 there's not sometimes as much longevity. I mean, if I moved back, to, if I went back to London tomorrow, I could be there two weeks and it would be as if I never left. I feel that so deeply. Yeah. I know exactly. What you I mean, mean, I was there for a week for someone's birthday party, my friend Heather Kersner's birthday party. I came, flew in on like a Thursday, Sunday, and literally by Sunday morning, people are writing texts, Darlene, do you want to come to the country house next week? And I'm like, I don't live here. <laughs> okay. Wait, so I'm curious. So where does your, like, when you're in London, like, where does that land on that spectrum of like, the coziness of Bluestone versus like the hard and fast of New York. Like, where does London? Where, how do you feel when you're in London? Well, London's like, London's like. I mean, every city has. London is a great city because it's a little. It still has that old world feeling. It does, yeah. You know, and I, nothing is better than when, I always stay at the Barclay. I've stayed there my I, ever since I moved from London. Whenever I go back, I stay at the Barclay. I stay at the same room, nice. and literally the guy, I pull up, and the guy that's been there since forever always says, "Hello, Miss Smedley, how are you?" I'm like, "This is just great." <laughs> <laughs> I. I like the way you roll. I don't care if they told you I'm coming. I like it. Okay. Yeah, there's a, I, it's good service. <laughs> and I always get up in the morning and cro go to Hyde Park and watch when all the you know the horses, the Queen's yeah. horses come out and they walk yeah. through. And it's always, no matter how many times I've seen it, it's a surreal experience. Like you expect to see a knight, yes. maybe uh, I don't know. It's just it's it's London just evokes all that good old world stuff. It reminds you how young America is when, yes. you're, when you're like, oh damn, like this. And nothing's better than a good pub. No. You cannot emulate you. You know, people have tried doing the pub in America. It doesn't and all work. That. It 
doesn't work. Because part of it is that you need to have a culture that is completely comfortable with everyone going out for like two beers at lunch. Like that. That's <laughs> Not only that, they always have the cast of characters at the pub. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's. Like, Remember the first time someone pushed over, I don't know if it's happened to you, someone pushed over a jar, this old man, he's like, have an egg. And it was the like, yep. egg and those vinegar things. I'm like, Ew. I know, yeah. and I and now I love them. I'm, I mean, I've had them too, and they are delicious. But like, I remember like the first time I was bartending, and someone ordered a pint of ale, and I was like, "Where's the ale?" And someone like, <laughs> or lager and lime. Oh, but well, lager, lager lime? and lime, I love. But the ale, because you still have to fucking pump it. Yeah, I'm like, I was like, I'm sorry, it's the 21st century. What are you talking about? And then and they, it's black. And then I heard, I, it's like black. It's also warm, and I go so bad. I go. But I say out loud, I go to my coworker, I go, sorry, where's the ale? And the guy who ordered it goes, nope, an American's not pumping my ale, get someone else. And I was like, okay, and I had to walk away. But, of course. And I had the to really earn my stripes. culture is a real thing. I love it. You, you know, you could sit for hours and, and hear the stories, and then always someone always ends up singing at some point. Yeah, I really, that's, I think, because I lived there when I was 20 to 21. No, 19 to 20. I was really young. And that was, like, where I first started, like, drinking and going out on my own, like, as an adult. And I think that's kind of, I miss that culture because that's what I, like, kind of, like, how I first learned to drink and socialize yeah. was, like. Cozy. Just, like, so cozy and so safe. low stakes, very safe and very, like, neighborhoody. That's right. And well, I think that my bourbon would be great at a pub. Oh. I could see it easily on a pub shelf. It looks like it belongs in a pub. Because it's classy, but it's not um, it's not any sort of ostentatious, like... No. It's not like a Don Julio 1942. I think like. you could carry this on a voyage across the ocean. You know, <laughs> someone going to... This could go certainly in the... The, the, the bottom of the boat for everyone to drink. Absolutely. Finding new lands and minerals and golds and silvers and fabrics to bring back. I know, and I am having a hard time resisting drink. It is truly delicious. Thank you. I, well, you know what I also want to say about Burden that I, I, we talk a lot about? I like the fact, and I've been doing a lot of studying on it, and, you know, I'm sort of like, you know, Phoenix, and they're all great at doing the mash and all that, and, of course, I'm trying to learn it all, but I'm more visual in the taste. And, yeah. Um, Which is important. Very. And I I also think what's interesting is you're seeing bourbon come more main, mainstream. Like, people are using it a lot more as a mixer. You know, yeah. Tequila is sort of the number one bestseller liquor right yeah. now. But bourbon is a close second mm -hmm. in the world, bourbon and whiskeys. And I love the fact that it's no longer just a late night drink. People are mixing it in all kinds of different ways. Even a lot of artisan drinks are happening with bourbon. And it's really coming forefront. Like, people are ordering bourbon cocktails as yeah. their pre-drink now before dinner. Yeah. Which I love. I, I saw love. someone the other night order, um, the guy, like, he roasted, uh, he set a piece of rosemary on fire and then he put it under a glass. Yeah. And then oh, he lifted the glass it. and then he put the bourbon and I thought, oh, that's interesting. And then he added, like, I think a lemonade or something and it just looks so delicious. Yeah. So that's very important too that, you know, we were bringing it to the forefront. It doesn't have to just be a, a bottle that sits on your bar to, no. uh, when you have company, you can actually make a beautiful cocktail Absolutely. Out of it. How do you like to drink it? Well, I, I do like to have it neat, Yeah. but I love it old-fashioned. I love Same. a mint julep. And I, I've started to mix it a lot with like um, sort of different fruits and things like that. Like the other night I had it, which is I poured a little bit with soda water with a tiny bit of maraschino dark black cherry juice. The juice, I was literally- But the black uh, cherry, not the bright, you know, the ones that are fake. No, like the Luxardo. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and then a little bit of, I, I think rosemary and bourbon go so beautifully. They really do. Right, yeah. and then I shook it, and I had that, and it was delicious. Oh, I love, yeah. And I also like that a lot of people are doing this thing with an egg white, they put an egg white and shake it, and shake it, so yes. it almost takes on a creamy texture. Yeah. They're beautiful cocktails. Yeah. I just had a- um, I see a book coming up. 
Yes. I see a big peacock on the front of a yeah. book. Um, you can also do the, the frothy thing. If you don't want egg, you can do it with the, um, this sounds insane, but with aquafaba, which is the yeah, juice the, from the a can chi- of chickpeas. Chickpeas, yes. And I had a cocktail with it last night, and it was fantastic. So, yeah, it was actually a bourbon cocktail. Uh, yeah, there you go. It was delicious. Yeah, so we're excited. We, you know, we're doing a great, you know, we kind of, st- we launched it in November. We did a soft rollout, and now we're really kind of, it's starting to really happen. We're, we're moving into all kinds of different states and distributors. And, you know, this is not something, too, for me that has to happen overnight. No. This is something that I want really to, I want it done right. Yeah. And, you know, if that takes a while, more power, you know, to to, to, to it, it's fine. Yeah, I mean, you know, also, well, you know what they say, the biggest successes are the slow successes. Yeah, absolutely. And it's also, I think that's really special to, it kind of just sounds in line with how you like to, host how you like to you know kind of with everything you do it's like it's about sort of like the the larger idea correct and you know what you know i have found it's the old hare and the turtle right yeah and i i I believe in that i just think slow and steady you have to believe in what you're doing which i believe in this so much you should um people kind of didn't get it at first i got it immediately Mm -hmm. i still get it i love it i love every time i see it somewhere i just got a beautiful picture from lagaloo they have it on their bar now oh that's so nice your home spot yes and and there's a couple of restaurants that send me pictures all the time it just makes me so deeply proud it should you know um and I just think it's the type of thing where you just have to believe in it and work on it slowly and keep your branding tight. You yeah. know, you gotta, I think it's very difficult when people, and a lot of time housewives, and I'm not being negative about this, but they, they got their hands in too many pots. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to build this, not only Blue Storm out of bourbon, but the branding around it. Yeah. And keep that like really nice and tight yes. and authentic. I and you're going to see a lot of the bourbon on the uh, Ultimate Girls trip. Oh, that's very exciting. Yes. <laughs> we do a whole bourbon prohibition dinner that's hysterical. Oh, really? Yeah. That's going to be a good one. That's very, very exciting. What, um, what, are there other, obviously you, I'm sure you've been drinking a lot of bourbon recently because of this. Well, not a lot. Well, <laughs> I don't want to start rumors. I have a sip here and there, yes. <laughs> what are the other things you like to drink when you're not in the mood for bourbon? Like, what are your other go-tos? Well, you know. Well, yeah. yeah. Of course you know. Do you need to ask me that? Do you not watch the show? I watch the show. <laughs> I guess I was just curious. I guess the question was more, has bourbon eclipsed all of those things, or are you still... No. It's definitely... You know, bourbon is my, my go-to. Bourbon's in, in my life all the time, but of course you always... You'll know, try a different cocktail. Of course, I still love my dirty martini Absolutely. every once in a while, right? Yeah, and there's nothing wrong um, with that. But you know, I'm I'm just excited about this bourbon as part of a lifestyle brand. Yeah, I'm excited for people to have a little bit of Bluestone Manor. What would you say? Here's something I'm curious it's like about. A clubby drink. I feel like they're they're joining a club in a weird way. It's like I, you're. It's like you're. It's like your goop almost. Yeah, like you're exactly. Kind of, I love that. What would you say if someone's like, okay, I'm gonna get the bottle of Bluestone. I'm gonna have people over for like my my like Dorinda Medley dinner. What are the other things you they should do to their home for the party to sort of kind of like fill that out? Well, you mean entertainment wise, as far as a dinner party, or yeah, what? like if they're throwing a dinner party and they they like like the thing like, I always say about dinner parties, I think people get very frightened of dinner parties, and I think people have lost the art of the dinner party because they make it very complicated. Yeah, the thing you have to remember about dinner parties, it's about the people. Mm-hmm. First, okay, so and then creating a theme, creating a feeling, and I always try to with any dinner party, and I 
love throwing a dinner party and I can throw together a dinner party for 16 people like this. Like it's nothing to me. Really? No problem. Because what you do, it's all in, I always say it's all about the back kitchen. So by the time my dinner party happens, it's all done. Like a lot of it's done. You know, I've done a lot of the prep, the table's done. Anything that I can make beforehand is done. Um, You know, and, and so by the time you get there, no one likes a hostess to be running around crazy in a dirty napkin, frantic. You have to be part of the dinner party. You have yeah. to, because people get frantic. Then what can I do? How can I help you? You know, you don't want people they to- They feel like they're imposing yes. almost. Yeah. You want them to believe it just happened. Yeah. You know, it was flawless. Magic. So that's going to be what you're serving, serving spoons, things, uh, bowls out to be plated. Whoever's, if you're going to have people help you or a person help you, they know what's going on. And- that it it's it's really like a well, uh, it's like a symphony. Oh, it's like orchestrated. Yeah, yeah it's orchestrated. Nothing's random. It look, but it should look that way. It should feel. It should. You feel know, Hannah once natural. said to me, "Oh my God, Mom, my third dinner party. It just it's so much harder. You make it look so easy." I was like, "Yeah, because you have to do it all beforehand. If I'm gonna have a big dinner party, I'm not serving something that's precious. I'm serving a lasagna." Two lasagnas, one vegetarian, one plain. That's made days before. Yeah. And I'm serving a huge salad, some fantastic herb bread. Yeah. And we're done. And we're done. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm all about the buffet. Okay. Thank you. I'm all about the buffet. Let people decide how much they want to eat because you want everyone to be well fed. Also, too, it's not even about that. It's just there's nothing more beautiful than if you have beautiful china and stuff or even serving things to put it all out. And... There's a lot of conversation that happens at the buffet table. That's so true. And if That's people so want to get seconds, they go up and get seconds. Yeah. It's a comfort. It makes it a little bit more interactive. I love a good. And then when people get up to get seconds, they change their seats. Oh, I'm going to go sit by this one. Yeah. yeah it oh, becomes that's a little a good more move. interactive. That's a good move. And I, easier cleanup. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So were you, were dinner parties something you like even loved as like a little girl or did you, like when did you fall in love oh, with no, the- I didn't, I didn't, I, I, I grew up with no money. There was no dinner parties. There was just survival. <laughs> <laughs> Grab it and eat it as fast as you can. Sure. I guess I meant not I even- grew up with a, no, listen, that's not true. My parents are, my mother's Italian. My father's Polish. We were raised on food and, yeah. and just the, the celebration of food and the celebration of family. I mean, everything. My mother, to this day, I find it, I think it's why I love a linen closet so much. My mother has a closet in her dining room and literally it's separated by event, her oh. tablecloths. I mean, down to like the baptismal tablecloth, the funeral tablecloth, the Christmas, the Easter, the everyday, because that's how they used to do it. You, yeah. said, you know, there was... I love, you know, people, we, we've had to redefine ourselves as women in so many different ways in this last couple of decades where we had to get super strong, but yell it out. But there is something very powerful about a, my mother who really took such control of her house and t- took such pride in it. Yeah. And I was like, that is a badass woman. Yeah. I mean, it's, I don't think, obviously money, help, like money helps making a dinner party of lovely, course. but I think what you it's just described necessary. is, no, you, it is the ethos of like, I want to bring people together. I want to, like, make this feel special. I want there to be a connection. You can go to TJ Maxx and get, like, I got some of my best Halloween plates at TJ Maxx. I had a skull on them. I bought every single one I could get my hands on. I think they were, like, $9 each. Yeah. And by the time I was done with it, it looked like this incredible dinner table. It was my Halloween. I put it on Instagram. My Halloween, it was Dracula's dinner. Oh, gorgeous. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm, but that's what I'm saying is, like, you can, if it, it's the, it makes sense that you would be this way if that's like how your mother was approaching it as yes. well. This like really intense care. It's about, people know when you make an effort. 
Yeah. People know when you're, you, you know, it's just about making people feel comfortable and loved and welcome and fun. Yeah. No one likes a stiff dinner party. No, I mean, that's, well, and I think, well, so that's you what I You have th- your music down. You have to make sure people, the candles are lit. You got to have your playlist. You got to have everything. No one wants you, I hate, I mean, I don't hate, that's a strong word, but it bothers me when I go to people's houses and they're dragging through their cabinets, taking out bowls and stuff. It's like, it's like taking fingernails down a chalkboard for me. Oh, like you the know, clanking? when people are pulling things out, it's like, get that shit out beforehand. Yes, absolutely. Well, it's like. And you don't need a ton. Like. Don't, I don't think a kitchen needs to be overstocked. Just get your essentials. And get essentials that you like so that you are happy yes. to use them when you come over. And I think that that's why you said earlier, like, people are afraid of the dinner party. And I feel like people are afraid of the dinner party as guests because we've all been to that one where the person shows up and they have a very rigid idea of how things need to be and how the night Correct. needs to go. And you show up and you're like, motherfucker, like, that's if it. I mess up one thing. Always be ready, as my mother would say, always be ready to set another plate. Nothing should ever show, throw That's gorgeous. So if someone else shows up, someone shows up with two people, no problem, push over. Gorgeous. another plate. Always have enough, always have enough bourbon, always have enough wine. Enough food, <laughs> enough bourbon, enough wine. Always, you can always add another plate. That's, yeah. It is like this welcoming thing. Correct. Yeah, and I think that that, Because it's a gift for people to come to your home and it's a gift for people to come to your home. I was going to say, it's a gift, it's a gift to have a home that you can host people in and enjoy people being in and like that's such a it's such a joy. Mm-hmm. Like I like, and I'm I'm also someone who hosts. So you describing having people come to Bluestone, I'm like, God, that sounds like heaven. It is. And so many times people come and they'll be like, We're coming up this weekend, but we're gonna go to So and Jacob's Pillow on Saturday. And I'm like, do whatever you do. You. They end up never going past. They come through the <laughs> gates and they never leave until Sunday afternoon. Of course. I, and mean, I think why another great thing for hosting and having guests and having people over is set a cutoff on the weekend. Like I don't like lingers on Sunday. By noon, I want everyone out. Oh, like 100%. I do. I do the good old brunch it starts at 11 by one o'clock i'm like goodbye yeah we're done <laughs> i do a sure. hearty brunch get them well fed <laughs> it's usually everything from the night before goes into a soup for the yep. lunch the next absolutely day. so nothing gets wasted because <laughs> i hate waste yeah and then at one o'clock i'm literally like goodbye get back. yeah we got to get those beds changed we got to get bsm back in order the lady's got to you know get herself back in order again <laughs> you got to maintain equilibrium no i'm not a big linger i don't like people lingering around on sundays i get that because i'm like that's i'm like let's do saturday because we're not doing it on sunday get it's- there friday early spend all day saturday get up sunday recap what happened saturday night figure out who slept with who who hates each other who <laughs> cried you know it's I love the whole recap, and then 11 o'clock, I feed them heavily, and then goodbye. Oh, my God. It's, I mean, you're living my dream. You just get to bring a bunch of people into your house, have a bunch of gossip and drama happen, oh, yes. and then they leave. Someone's got to cry, and someone's got to sleep with someone. I mean, that's <sighs> that's that's the recipe for a good weekend, right? Earlier, you said the only rule was that everyone comes to dinner at 6. Now we're finding out the sub rules in there. <laughs> it's <Set> so up. true. <laughs> Sunday. And what happens at Bluestone Manor truly stays at Bluestone Manor. Except on this season. <laughs> yeah, exactly on this season. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But, but I'm going to tell you something, a secret about Bluestone Manor. Nighttime at Bluestone Manor does make you a little naughty. I don't know why, I but get- it brings out this sexiness in people. Even some of my most conservative friends come up and I'm like, is someone so dancing without her top on outside by the pools? They're like, yup. I'm like, Yes. Especially, I think it's, do you know what I think? Especially if it's like friends who live in New York City, it's like you never feel truly alone or unsupervised. And then you go to somewhere, like you said, it feels like you enter this world, this bubble. Yeah, you're on 18 acres. No one can get to you. Absolutely. I'm taking my top off. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so bourbon is a perfect sort of elixir. 
for uh, all things Bluestone Manor. Yeah, it makes it's really coming into clear picture why this all. It's very like you said. It's a very cohesive brand, which Correct. is about having a nice home where bad things happen. <laughs> we're naughty things. We're happen. naughty I don't things. Think happen. Bad's a good word. Naughty's no, better. Naughty's better. Yeah, naughty's a much better word. A nice home where naughty you things know, happen. You know the great thing about Bluestone Manor is too. You never know what character is going to walk in the door. I remember my friend Greg Cleo said to me. I don't know where these people turn up. Like the craziest people show up at your door. I'm like, come on in. Someone walks through the cornfields. I'm like, sure. (laughs) That's the beginning of a horror movie. It is. No, can I tell you a story? This is a true story. I swear to God, one night I'm having a party. Swear to God, this is true. So we're having a great time. We're all inside. It's like, you know, fall time and we got the fires roaring and we've all had dinner and now we're all dancing and doing all that kind of stuff. And I have these beautiful, huge French doors mm-hmm. that go out to the gardens. And uh, all of a sudden, so my brother's there, and my brother's a big prankster, Johnny, and I'm standing in front of the French windows, and this person's banging on the windows. So my friend Mona, who's in front of me, says, oh, my God, someone's banging to get into the house. I said, oh, don't worry about it. It's my brother Johnny. And then Johnny walks <gasps> through the door and says, hey, D- hey, Dora, do you want another drink? I'm like, <laughs> like literally I couldn't move and no, the person so was plastered scary. at my window banging to get in someone I didn't know we had to like call the police <laughs> and he literally ran through the cornfield swear to God and he got away yeah that's so fucked up <laughs> it was scary you know luckily we had drank enough that it didn't overly affect us to the next day <laughs> you know we were like it's okay <laughs> there's nothing like waking up after a night of drinking and being like Wait, that was like, actually so concerning. Like my mom, my friend Mona's like, that was bad. I'm like, I, I know, but we didn't do anything about it. We just got another drink and kept dancing. I mean, the police are coming. We're like, yeah, yeah, do you want a drink? Yeah, it was really bad. You know? <laughs> <laughs> was, the next morning, I'm like, oh my God, we could have been murdered. Once again, I think you're a great host because you're like, we're not letting it ruin the party. We got to keep the mood up. We, we got to keep the mood up. And he didn't get in. Well, that he was got like, in. I'm like, let's well, not get got in. I mean, we're, we don't need to stop the party. Let's not get, let's not get a little ahead of ourselves here. <laughs> Bluestone Manor. The grounds might not be secure, but the building is. <laughs> Isn't that a great story? That's incredible. Literally, when my brother came around the corner and looked that's at me, drama. I thought, this is fucked up. Yeah, that's fucked up. <laughs> I'd be, that's not okay. I would think someone's pranking me. Yeah, well, it wasn't. No, that's so wild. What is, so like, obviously, like, when, like, you come to take on Bluestone Manor, this, like, super historical place that you- Well, I didn't take it on. What happened was, is I grew up in the Berkshires. I don't know if you knew that. I did. And then um, I always saw it. My great-grandfather came over from Italy to work on it as a mason. Okay. And then my grandfather worked on it as a mason. And when I was growing up, one of the big activities that we used to do on Sundays is go for a car ride and go look at all the places that my grandfather's built, worked on the stonework. So I'm, oh I'm like an expert at a stone wall. I can show you the best stone wall, the dry stone walls ever. I could, yes. So that was our big thing. Go That's get an ice cream and wander around the Berkshires looking at houses that my grandparents, my great grandparents. Oh, so one that. of the houses I loved wasn't called Bluestone Manor, was this house on the hill, my mother would say. And I, I actually could 
can take and show you all my... Re- so my relatives, the Caligaris, the Magadinis, the Spadassinis, all of them, they would leave symbols in their masonry work. Yeah. You know, as a sign that they were there. So I still have that. And so I knew all those people. They used to play poker with my grandfather. That's so gorgeous. So when I was growing up, I used to say to my dad, I love that house. One day I want to... And, and that house was abandoned for a while. Oh. So we used to, you know, walk... Th- I'm probably going to get arrested 20 years on, but we used to walk the <laughs> property, you know, and, and just go look at it. Yeah. And, be fascinated by this house and I used to tell my dad I'm going to buy this house one day we're going to live there and Richard bought it for me as a wedding present like six months before we got married oh wow so that was his wedding and then you restored it together and we restored it together and then unfortunately Richard we restored it we opened it back up in like 2009 and unfortunately he passed uh, 2011 so he didn't really get to enjoy it as much as he wanted to do he loved it up there yeah and that, but it's so special. You have special. to be a creative to like it. You know, it's a, it's that Absolutely. kind of place. Well, that was what I was going to ask. And I, one, I think it's so special that you you still have this house that you made together. I'm just amazed to tell you the truth. Hannah said it to me. Hannah said to me, Mom, it's amazing that Rich has been gone for 10 years. Yeah. And you've actually owned the house on your own longer than you owned it with Richard. Wow. And, you know, owning a house is one thing, but maintaining a house and running a house. And I made a vow to myself when Richard left that if I can't run the house the way Richard ran it and in that condition I just don't want it anymore because wow. nothing's worse than trying to keep something that you no longer are no. meant to keep yeah. it's just absolutely. a bad look I think absolutely so my, what I'm curious about is when you're restoring a house like that that has so much history it's and crazy. that you so clearly have so much love for what was like what were the things that you wanted to add to like maybe add is the wrong word, bring to it, incorporate to it. And also like, what did you want to maintain? We, you know, when we moved into the house, it's very interesting. We, we, I, I wanted to live in it cause I wanted to, you know, we all think when we moved homes and I say this to everybody that buys a house, don't be so quick to renovate it or whatever, because if you live in a house that you'll figure out really what you want out of the house and what the house wants of you. Mm-hmm. And it takes about a year. These things you think, Oh my God, I need like a sunroom or bowling alley and this. You're like, I'll never use it. So, you know, we lived in it for a solid year with the kids. I have two stepchildren and Hannah and I, it really came to me how we live. We're going to live in it. And also too, I was very conscious because it was built in 1902 that I wanted to renovate it but really restore Restore it. it. I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want it to walk in and be like, this doesn't make sense. I wanted people to believe that it almost was like that. Yeah, like it wasn't like this new home. I told Marsha Watson when he first came up, my interior decorator, I said I want it Frankenstein meets Marilyn Monroe uh, meets early 20th century. He's like, I don't know what that means. I'm like, well, figure it out. Because that's, that's where we're going. That's, you're like, this isn't a suggestion. This is what we're doing. What is like, what are your favorite little touches in the house? I love all the hand lacquered, the lacquered walls. I just love a good lacquered wall. Yeah. I mean, the, that you don't, the, you also don't see that that often. No. I, and you, one thing about lacquer is you, it's expensive, but you do it once, it lasts forever. Right. That's the good news. It's in a good investment. Um, I love crazy wallpaper. So I have everything wallpaper. The peacock. That, I'm yeah. dying for it. I have every closet wallpapered. I have ceilings wallpapered. I love wallpaper. I love wallpaper. I love and I have like wallpaper. the foil wallpaper, the stuff that's really old kind of. It's like textured? Yeah. Uh, I grew up in a wallpapered house. And, and I, I, l- I love, um, I just love all the, not that I put it in, but we restored a lot of the old molding. I mean, Stanford White just did such beautiful like when you walk through a door of a Stanford White House, you walk through a door like as an entrance. He was in, he's incredible. He was incredibly talented about first of all making the houses that moved with the day. So you really do find yourself in the correct room according to the day. 
Because he followed the sun. That's so interesting. Yeah. So like if you follow the natural light through yes, the house, you'll you move through the day. you find yourself like sitting in rooms. So you're like, yeah, I think I should sit in this room because now it's nighttime. Oh my God. Yes. So, That's so And gorgeous. the molding's beautiful and the, the stonework's beautiful. I just love, I just, I, the house has depth. Yeah. For me, it lives and breathes. Like, I haven't been there now for two months. I long for You're it. You're, like, craving it. I long for it. Like, I said to my mom this morning, I can't wait to get up to BSM on, on Friday. Oh, you're going on Friday? Yes. I think it's so, it, there's almost like, hearing you talk about it and stuff, it's like, it's impressive to me that then you then incorporated a, a the, the bourbon and this like line or potential line into it because it's there's almost such a vulnerability to that because yes. it is so it, it's so personal to you. Well, that's right, and I th- I think you're gonna see too with the mashup that's coming out in June. Like that was a lot from first of all we were in COVID, and I hadn't really seen anybody for like 16 months, yeah. and then I had eight girls come up and stay for eight days. I've never had anyone stay at Bluestone Manor for eight days. Certainly not people. You, you want I people out know. on Sunday at noon? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, so. It was. It, it really was a big. Pr- it was all. It was hard for me to give up the control of that. Yeah, I can't imagine. You know, a hundred. Like you know, at one point, I think there were like a hundred people in production on my grounds. That's and hot air balloons landing in the backyard. <laughs> so I mean, like you had. I had to, which was actually good for me and healthy, but it made me a little crazy too because I run the house in such a way. Not everybody understands it, and they may take it as me being super strict or overly controlling, which I am a bit, um, I have to admit. Nothing um, wrong with that. So you're going to see that, that I really, you know, have to give up a loss of control. A I mean, bit. that makes sense when I was watching the trailer. I'd be like, I'd have a panic attack having eight people in my house, and let alone production. Yes. Like, for that long. Like, it's like, I... It, it was wild. I, it was yeah. originally going to be four, and then because of COVID and stuff, we couldn't find another place. Oh, because we were going to, I think we were going to go to the Marival at one point, but there was no staff. People just weren't taking big groups. Yeah. So they said, can we just say another four? And I thought, okay, why not? Yeah. And hence, we have an incredible show coming up. That's so exciting. It and is exciting. I'm excited for people to get to see. Just I'm. Have I'm, you seen the trailer? <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know Everybody's got to watch the trailer. It came out today. It's yes. incredible. Watch the trailer. It is incredible. I think the first episode will be out by the time this comes out, which they should also watch. Yeah. So yeah, but watch the trailer. It's incredible. Um... But what was I going to say about, the, oh, like, I just think that it's really commendable that you, I w- when I was watching the trailer, I was looking at the house and I was like, this is so gorgeous. And you let all these people in. That's so impressive to me. Well, people love Bluestone Manor. And I think one of the things that I learned from being put on pause is that they not only kind of, you know, obviously p- people were sad that I wasn't on again, but people really miss Bluestone Manor. Yeah. It's like, a character. They mourned it. They were like, no more blue, no more you, no more Bluestone Manor, no more Len. Because Len, who's been with me for 16 years helping me up there and in New York, she is part of the house too. I mean, she runs the house. I don't really, really run the house. The Len yeah. is like the person that runs it. <laughs> right. And is that, that must be such a trusting relationship too, to have that connection with of her course. running the house. You've got to have people in your house you trust. Absolutely. Um, is there anything, you know, as we sort of like move towards the end, like, what are you excited for people to when as like Bluestone Manor, the bourbon moves across America and hopefully across the pond as well? Like what are when people are like, I'm going to go out and get my first bottle. How do you think that they should drink their first glass of Bluestone Manor? I got to tell you, I think you just need to sip it straight. Sip it straight for the first one. I don't even know if I'd put it over ice the first time. I okay. might just put a nice little splash in a glass, smell it, swirl it around and just take a nice, slow sip of it. And tell me what you think. And tell me, and tell them and what from you think. there, build it out. 
I think that's a beautiful way Drink to start. Drink it and think about all the fun you're going to have. <laughs> that's gorgeous. Um, this was such a pleasure. Thank oh, you so thank much for, you ha- so for much being here. Thank you so much as well. I appreciate uh, of it. Of course. I'm so excited. I look forward to it. Well, thank you. And get the bourbon on bluestomatterbourbon.com. We will do that. And you can find out where it is in your local area. Perfect. Thank you so much for listening to Going Out with Jake Cornell. If you could please go and rate and review us on whatever you're listening to this on, that would be really gorgeous for me in a huge way. So thank you. And now for some credits. Going Out with Jake Cornell is recorded in New York City and produced by Keith Beavers and Katie Brown. The music you're hearing is by Darby Seesai. The cover art you're probably looking at was photographed by M. Cooper and designed by Danielle Grinberg. And a special shout out to VinePair co-founders Josh Mallon and Adam Teeter for making all of this possible. <laughs>